I think it's safe to say we all here have a little healthy degree of ADD here at the show. Is not being able to pay attention really a deficit or a disorder? Maybe the people or the things that are not able to keep other people's attention should be addressed as a deficit or a disorder. You're listening to Warm Beer in the Cheap Seats podcast, WBCS with Big Mike and Casey. Take it away, Big Mike. What's happening, everybody? It's your old friend, Big Mike, coming at you on a Friday night. Warm Beer in the Cheap Seats. Got a great show for you. We got a, a lot of talk about a documentary. <laughs> or two. Yeah, it's tough. My brain's broken. Hey, we're going to bring some memories back about some trivia. Jolt those brains. Big Ed's rock and roll retrospective, some funny videos, and whatever else comes out of our mouths because we are warm beer in the cheap seats w- Friday night. BCS. WBCS. Take it away, Casey. What's happening? Hey, what's going on? Nothing. Well, just another week. Another week. We're Friday. We, uh, we made it to Friday. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I'm going to give Big Ed a few minutes uh, to you know get settled in. Um, but so back in 2018, there was a very popular app that uh, I I kind of got into it. Um, with people I was working with, it was Trivia HQ. Wait, now, was that recent? It was that recent. Really? So like five years ago. Now, let me ask you this. It's So it's not something you would do at a bar. It was just trivia, like daily trivia? On, on your phone. Was, so, so was, they, was there they, like a set like time of day when they would? Yes. Uh, usually like 7 o'clock was the big one. I think they, they had a couple different times. And over time, they... Um, kind of you know adjusted you know you could win cash prizes uh, so i they, take it you registered yes okay and so they you know they the host would come on he would talk a little bit and then he'd be like all right we're gonna start and it was just like kind of general trivia but sometimes they would have different topics of the day but um because they they did have like a sports themed one which this guy i worked with is like wow oh, we're gonna be so rich well well we're gonna have you do it you're gonna be our ringer um, and you know, if you got, and it's usually just 10 questions. And if you got it right, uh, it, it would just keep you in. And what it would do is show it would show you how many people were one yep. streaming it live. And then how many people were still involved, like mm. that didn't get bumped out now. So it's one and done. You get a, you're out. Yeah. So CNN had put, it, it was a great documentary in CNN. It was called glitch, the rise and fall of trivia HQ. And really in the end, it was the. The two guys that created it couldn't really kind of work together because the one guy was the guy that can write all the code. And, the, you know, he was like an IT guy, if you will. Um, and the, the other guy was just like more the ideas, the pitch man. And. Um, but isn't that the, isn't that the well, downfall I, I, of many partnerships? The he, two partners, they, they create something wonderful or great. Wonderful and great. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they, they fame, fortune, and whatever else gets in the way, and they're like, "Fuck you, I'll go my own way." And oh, I, yeah, fuck you. And I'm then- trying to remember the name of the host, and he was pretty funny. He was entertaining, but you know, I, I mean, it was on him to do, uh, you know, create a lot of content. And, you know, they had writers that would help with uh, different ideas of uh, trivia questions and stuff. But uh, the the problem was, it started getting 
uh, very popular, very fast, where it was like viral videos, watching people uh, celebrating winning. And then you'd find out like they only won like 11 bucks, you know, or something. Woo! But then, they, but then, but you couldn't cash out. So you had like 20 bucks. So oh, there were people shit. at one and couldn't collect. Um, so, until you hit the $20 mark and. The, the problem was they're, they're scaling, they're growing too fast. They couldn't match the, the demand. And this, this happens in business all the time. You, you catch a wave, but you can't keep the momentum. You, you know, it's like you're manufacturing something. Well, you can't manufacture enough, enough of, of whatever. It, right. And then, then well, you actually, you have problems. We've been talking about that. Yeah, no, it's, it was definitely, there's definitely growing pains that they, they had. Uh, but I, I had a lot of fun. I and it, it just seemed again, the pandemic did a number on my brain that everything before the pandemic seemed so much longer Long ago. Yeah. yeah. And so it was like, huh. oh yeah, that's right. I, I was really into this. And then um uh what would happen is the software couldn't handle the demand. And it kept it would crash, mm. or you'd get a circle of death, or get wavy, or so people get got frozen. tired of that. It did and I it, mean they would have fun with it, and they would take screenshots and and uh, share it on Twitter, mm -hmm. you know, other. But that only media. lasts so long, and the novelty of it not working wears off, and you're like, eh, let's move on to something new. Yeah, I mean, and you know, <clears throat> at, at a point, I think they they were over two million. Uh, users that would be live in a wow. trivia game. Hmm. I imagine that. Tri sure. Jeopardy's only got three people. So they would have a, <laughs> and their goal was to get the three million. And they got, I think, up to what, 2.4 million? Something around there, yeah. And then it just went down from there. And quickly. down. It and down then really quickly, fast. like in like three months, I think they were like less than 100,000. Mm -hmm. Wow. Eight. Yeah. I mean, when the, the wheels went off on this thing, because they ran out of money. they And, you know, when you start cutting back and going backwards, it's... Uh, it's Didn't they say they paid out something like $1.5 million in rewards or prizes? Yeah, they actually paid out. Uh, I don't even I didn't. Yeah. But they paid quite a bit, I think, if I remember correctly. And here's the interesting thing. Nothing's replaced it, has it? No, no, not so much. Wait, didn't they say that the one of the owners was going to come up with something or, or no, they came back like a couple of years later, but it didn't work. Yes. It, um, That's what it was. yeah, they, they tried it and, um, it like failed pretty quick. Mm -hmm. it, it was the, uh, whoever, the other guy that was more like the pitch man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Um, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, it was a, it was it was a interesting, uh, like I said, a docu series on CNN. Um, they they've had a couple stuff like that. Oh, you know, actually, that's what kind of made me think of that because I was like, obviously, you know, they're changing their business model because whatever they're doing. Well, one, they were just getting their ass kicked in ratings. I mean the between Fox and a couple other ones, they, they, they're getting crushed. So they're getting rid of a lot of talking heads and they're replacing it with, you know, a lot of like documentaries, documentaries, um, you know, just a little bit more 
content, so, intellectual or not. And that's what I was kind of telling you before the show. I was like, this is the Vice effect. So Vice, for you not in the know, is a little news agency. But they usually do like the war on drugs or what the hell's going on with the Mexican cartel. a little cartel. edgier. A little edgier. They do. They do. Do 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 they do do um, do do edgier news? They do a, a they have that dark side uh, of the web, or I mean, of the ring, and then they uh, they have a whole series of spun off. But so again, they're a news agency, and they do a lot of these uh, docu series. And I feel like CNN's like kind of taking a page out of their book, taking a page out of their book. And, and in fact, Fox is doing the same thing, and that's what this whole thing they're spinning off the Fox Nation. Which right. I think you got to stream that. That's like a streaming service. Well, here's the thing, and this, we've talked about this on the show before. Twenty the twenty four hour news cycle. There, there's only so much you can do with it. I think that's what. Oh, it's been fucking proven. There's only so much you can do. Mm-hmm. So these news agencies. Well, let's do documentaries. Documentaries. It sounds documentaries. Good that way, I think. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know. It, it was fascinating, though. It, it brought back memories because I was like hooked on that thing. And like I said, it was like a thing like a, a group of us at work. We would kind of get involved like, all right, seven o'clock. Let's, let's fucking get on there and, you know, see if we can do it. But and, and then the other uh, doc, uh, documentary <laughs> movie. <laughs> yes. Now I'm going to forget the name of it, but it was about the movie The Shining. Yeah. So fill us in for those of us not in the know with the movie The Shining, which right. I would be one of them. Sweet Melissa is one of them. All right. So The Shining, which is a, a which was based off a Stephen King novel, was a movie uh, written and directed by Stanley Kubrick, and Stanley did make some liberal changes to the movie, uh, which you said pissed off. Yes, uh, Stephen King uh, said he did not like this movie. And he was, uh, yeah, he hated this movie. Wow, because did how the the changes he made were they drastic from the book? Was uh, it a big he, swing? Yeah, yeah. And then to prove his point of him saying <clears throat> "f you" to Stephen King, the main character drives a uh, a red Volkswagen Beetle. Well, in the movie, he drove a yellow Volkswagen. In the movie, oh, okay. Beetle. So in the book, it was a red Beetle. Now there is a red beetle in the movie. Yeah, uh, it was crushed under a semi. <laughs> wow, that's a big. That's a middle finger to old Stephen yes, King, right Stanley there. Stanley Kubrick, man. Wow. So you had a, a couple of these people that were like different, like you know, professors or this or that, and they're talking about the hidden meaning that is in the movie. If you were going to sit there and be very analytical. And like psychoanalyze this movie? Yeah. And, you know, with Stanley Kubrick, you could because, you know, he did such high, highbrow stuff. You know, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Uh, I mean, later in the 80s, he did. Um, oh, now I'm going to forget the name of the movie. But uh, uh, I don't know. Now I'm forgetting. Um uh, he did Dr. Strangelove. Um, anyway, so on and on and on and on. So anyways, he's a guy that's very thought out. And, you know, what they're looking at is the one one guy felt like this movie represented 
the Western expansion and the Americans treatment of the indigenous native Native Americans Americans and like the slaughter of them and breaking treaties and stuff like that, because there are certain things that are in the background. Cause it's like, look, you don't set up like, you know, cause they're supposed to be all right. The premise of the movie is uh, Jack Nicholson's character and child and he's got his wife, Shelly Duvall. um, And he's going to stay at this resort in the winter because in the winter, the resort's just kind of shut off. It's it, it's closed. It's a resort. People go there for the summer. So he's going to be just a caretaker of it for the winter. He's a writer, and it's going to maybe give him some levity to be inspired to write while he's watching this place. Mm-hmm. Um, he descends into madness. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. Understatement. Yeah, hey, yeah, hey, yeah. Ed. Yeah, hey, Big Ed. Hey, guys. No, um, go ahead, go ahead. So the, the Shining itself and – you know, they, there is a sequel to it that was done uh, later on um, called uh, Dr. Sleep. And it kind of explains there's like. A, and I'm I'm going to kind of. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, you know, Stephen King's pretty interesting because there's a like a series of books called The, the Gunslinger. Um, it, it's fantastic. They made one movie. People didn't like it. I thought it was all right, but I think it's a, it, the scope is so big. It's just like, I, I think it would be better done like an HBO series. Just, you know, like kind of like they did Game of Thrones to give it time to breathe because there's just too much. But is Clockwork Orange what you were talking yes, about? Yes. Well, that's another one. That's another oh, one. Uh, that was but, a fucked up movie, but I like that, it. That, that's Stanley Kubrick, man. Yeah. The um, In and Out. Those guys were crazy. They were like the mods, right? Some- yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Malcolm McDowell, man, is yeah. fantastic. Um, anyways, like all these little bad guys, they kind of are like linked into the same universe, like it and this and right, that. Right, right, reference, That's, but sure. Like The Shining, there's like a like a spirit or something, and it's kind of referenced in there. There's uh, an evil force out there. Anyways, uh, I digress. So. Uh, no, that's, uh, apocalypse now. Full Someone else. Jacket. Yeah. Full male jacket. Thank you. All right. So anyways, he's descending to madness. Movies. So he, there's like a scene where he's talking to, um, and I forget what the, the black guy actually did. I think he was like a groundskeeper or whatever, but he would help out with stuff and he'd bring supplies to them. Uh, but they're like in a storeroom and he's like, well, don't set up these cans that had like you know, I forget the name brand, but it was like a Native American. He's like, you you don't set these up in a certain way unless it means something. Like everything meant something. Also, the the one person was just talking about how weird, like almost the, the hotel itself was like almost like a dimension of hell because they're like, if you, because there's scenes where the kids riding this uh, big wheel around. And it kind of gives you of what the hotel looks like because mm-hmm. he rides through the hallways, downstairs, upstairs. There's three different scenes. And if you try to make a map and try to lay it over, you're like, some of this doesn't make sense. And uh, when he meets like the hotel manager um, to take the job, there's a window. And this lady's like, that window can't exist. Oh, yeah. If you look at the map, she's like, that window don't exist. She's like, it, basically, she's alluding like it's like it's not real. The hotel's not real. It's it, the hotel itself is like 
like I said, another dimension or it's a type of so hell. So let me ask you this. Like so is this does the book follow so the book doesn't No, follow. no, no. See that so some of the things where the movie goes uh the book, is not the, the this book. is so with the with the hotel being whacked out and, Oh no, 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 no. Uh the hotel being whacked out is definitely Stephen King, but how it's whacked out uh may may not um uh they went they took it a different yeah they took it all right all right so like the one guy's like well you know and there's always this conspiracy that uh kind of went around about the moon landing and what have you um and stanley kubrick was always rumored to be involved with staging the moon landing mm -hmm. okay so, and look, I, I have no opinion on it. I, I personally think someone landed on the moon. I do too. I, I don't know. So actually I said, I know. I, I'd so. like to believe that too. So in anyways, there are things in the movie where this one, one other guy's talking about, he's like, it's talking about his frustration of getting involved with the federal government and making this and he can't tell anyone and how strange his relationship with his wife, the kids wearing like a little sweater that says Apollo 11 or something like that later. No shit. Yeah. And he's like, you know, in this one room where like all these weird things happen, he's like, that's supposed to represent like where they film the movie that you wow, can't talk so these about. I listen, take the, so these guys analyzing this movie, they took this son bitch off what it oh yeah I, it was listen it was like an hour and a half and look some of it was a little far out there because um i i think they were talking about like race relations in america between and all know, this white, in black america um the other guy I was talking about which is fascinating because this could have been a thing though i think his his what examples movie, weren't what, strong what movie was it, what year was it made uh 1980 80 okay, 1980 so I, say, I thought it was late 70s so so there was, um, uh, you know, and it's this time they were talking about like subliminal messages mm -hmm. they used in advertising, uh, specifically print ads. So if you looked into this ice cube, there would be like a woman there or something like that. Mm -hmm. And this is a thing, you know, they, they did this through the sixties and seventies, sure. uh, and they're not allowed to do that. It's Ill illegal, but, um, it was in there. Right. So they think, him being a master of cinema and doing tricks. They were saying, Oh, he sunk in, but there's one. He's like, look, he's got a paper deck. And I'm like, I, I don't know. You know, that's <laughs> a paper. Pretty dick. entertaining though. Anyway. Yeah. It's just one scene, but I was like, all right, this guy's going a little too far <laughs> unless I mean, he had the really <clears throat> good weed for his time. <laughs> It was like now, a stack of books or something. Yeah. That just so happened to be about crotch level. Yeah. And right in front of the guy. It was, it was funny. Yeah. Um, it, uh, what was, oh, um, and then, then again, this was like almost like the Pink Floyd and the Wizard of Oz of watching the movie forward and backwards and then oh, overlaying yeah. it. Now certain scenes kind of crossed over to each other. Like they almost would were reference each other in a subliminal yeah yeah it, it was it was a little out there uh but but some of the scenes i mean it probably was just coincidence but oh yeah some of the two combined you're like wow 
That is pretty. Cool. It, yeah, yeah, and again, a very an interesting coincidence um, mm-hmm. that they would be connected like that. Um, again, I hadn't seen the movie in years, um, and you know, some people, it's it's a horror film, and really the only horror film that because uh, Clockwork Orange, I don't think is really considered a horror film, but um, The Shining is a different type of horror film. You know, and uh, I mean, again, one of Jack's better performances, uh, definitely memorable. Um, I I want to rewatch it. Sweet Melissa's never seen the movie. I've either I think I either I saw it when I was drunk in college mm. in film class. Well, that would have been something you would have watched in film class because one again, it's 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 Kubrick. You're you're gonna watch one of his movies. Warren. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, that was a very influential movie. And, um, I feel like I got really drunk for this one. In class? Were you or you, oh, you watched it at home? No, it was at night in our theater, but it was like open for everybody. No. So it wasn't considered class. That's probably where they went wrong. So, so you were liquored up when you went to it? Yeah, I think. Nice. Well, it definitely yeah. happened with one movie that was a film class movie shown at the theater for everybody mm. i feel like it could have been that one i did that watching the gladi- gladiator <laughs> i was and that's probably why i thought it was awesome I was like, hell yeah <laughs> i am entertained <laughs> um, i am the gladiator yeah i don't know that the, this documentary is pretty interesting I, is there a movie you think just on experience of watching it where you could like sit down and break break down like and peel it like an onion. You're like, this- I'm not that smart. I'm not that smart because again, for for somebody to look at these films, and I understand sometimes, many times in these films, there's social commentary. Yes, <clears throat> I'm not that smart, man. I you don't I, I can't have that much time. You're no, but it's well. Thank you. You're um, <laughs> yeah, they'd say, well, you know, the, the social commentary of this is about, you know. Uh, public schools and this and that and and racial relations. Come on, man! I'm watching a movie. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to escape. Hey, wait! Hey, what if you found out there's like social commentary and like Jackass Ford, and you're like, <laughs> actually, when he got kicked in the balls, what he was saying was the struggle of middle class America. America <laughs> middle class America is getting kicked in the balls right now. <laughs> trying to find the right toilet paper for Christ's sake. Oh, oh, big guy, do you? Do, do you think there's a movie you could sit there and analyze? I, I think there's two or three. But ones yeah. that I've seen, like like Kelly's Heroes or Forrest Gump. Oh, okay. Um, I don't, I don't, El Dorado, I don't... like those John Wayne, the one my favorite, oh, yeah, yeah. like El Dorado. Hmm. Yeah, probably. Now, I do find it interesting how these filmmakers will lay in, you know, social commentary or whatever it may be into the films. I, I think that's really well. I think cool. I, th- I think there are filmmakers that definitely do that. Uh, Darren Afronsky, uh Oliver Stone for, for sure. But here's my question: oh, yeah, Tell time. me what they put in it. But how do these how do these critics or whoever it may be, people analyzing these films, how do they figure that out? They have to have an insight. Do they have an insight? Yeah, like Melissa no, said. I mean, I don't think they necessarily have to have an insight. I think like it's just. I don't know. It's like an athlete. You just have it or you don't. 
Yeah. You know, and again, like I think some of these were like professors, so they study certain things. Yeah, so, true. you know, they're they're looking for things. Um, you know, some were writers or critics of sort. And or, I guess I guess the filmmaker, if you know the filmmaker, and when I say know the filmmaker, know his yeah. know his tendency. tendency. Sure, sure. You, you know what he's he or she is aiming for in the film. Well, and the, the, that was, I guess, part mm. of the thing in with uh, Stanley Kubrick, uh, you know, for being like, if you're like a film buff into like, cinema as an art, you're, you're just kind of like, well, what's he up to? Because, you know, he got to a point in his career where he was just bored. Because like the movie leading up to The Shining was absolutely boring period piece that did nothing other than it was shot beautifully. Because... Uh, he, he, as far as film goes, he's a genius. And, but if he's not challenged, then he's bored. And I think The Shining was like a movie where he was kind of challenging himself again. Look how fitting my intro was again by mistake. Yes, the, the serendipitous oh, sweet Melissa. Wow, serendipitous. Yes. I can't say word. the D word, but I could say serendipitous. Um, yeah. Serendipitous is my favorite word. So a movie I feel I could sit there and psychoanalyze is, is Oliver Stone's Natural Born Killers. Mm. I, I could break it down. And um, and on a side note, uh, and there's in that movie does have a lot of things going on with it. A lot, I mean, a lot of things going on. Um, you know, it's probably the biggest budget art film ever made. It's a wild movie. Uh, Tom Sizemore, who played one of my favorite just movie characters of all time, Detective Skagnetti in the movie, had uh, passed away this week. He had, uh, or this week? La last week, last week he had passed away. Oh. Uh, he had a brain aneurysm. He was oh. on, you know, life care, you know, support, and then they took him off of it. So yeah. uh, I was a little upset on the obits. They would mention these other movies. I, Natural Born Killers. Natural Born Killers, I think, was the performance that gave him the career. Um, you know, they kind of mentioned it like. Was that more of a niche film? I, I remember the movie. I've seen, I it saw it many popular, years ago. It? Uh, it, well, it was not popular for the right reasons. It, you know, I think the Catholic Church was kind of like, don't see the movie, stuff like that, which, which people makes people go, oh, go yeah, see the movie. You think it was famous. But I, I don't remember what it did box office, but it did definitely have a cult following. I mean, it is Oliver Stone, so uh, Woody Harrelson's in it. I mean, it's got a big, big cast. But I think Tom that was Sizemore. a breakout role for him, you know, being a dramatic actor. I, I, absolutely. He just took him from, oh, you know, a comedic, Woody, you from know Cheers. Woody from oh, Cheers. Yeah. And I think he had just come hot off of doing uh, White Men Can't Jump. Right. Which is a good movie. I enjoy that movie. Love that movie. Absolutely like love that movie. That, I know yeah. someone that was a set builder and that really? was an extra in that movie. You know what? Speaking of that, I think if I were not in the career field I'm in, if I were to go to Hollywood, if I was going to have a career in Hollywood, I'd be like a set builder, set dresser, model builder. I'd be involved Dude, in that. Those guys get good, paid good money. I think I see for me, film and film, the behinds is behind work like that the set dressing mm -hmm. the model builders the um those are all union jobs yeah. california union jobs yeah. you know they they do a lot of stuff in atlanta uh now 
Uh, there's a good presence of oh, film and TV, and, but and, I don't know that if those are union jobs. Well, Georgia is really pushing film. Oh now. yeah. Big time. Our state, Florida should be pushing it, but there's, I don't know why. I mean, we, we're, we have desirable weather year round, like California and films could be shot. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. yeah. And, and there, there's enough variation, not a lot, but enough variation in our topography mm -hmm. that you could shoot different types of scenes. Anyway, I, 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 maybe that's a different show to talk about. Correct. But now, I, for film, for me, is the behind-the-scenes stuff. I think it's pretty awesome. <laughs> that was Thank a mistake. You. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good good one. A little, little woo-woo. He was, waking, sure I was our, waking up the screen. And, yeah, he was, he was anyway. making sure our listeners we were just making sure that the uh, slide whistle sliding. There goes Fred. Oh, so, so slide whistle's on tap. So you had a friend who was a set builder on that film. Yeah, yeah, he... he worked as a, a union set builder for years and then he got fired because uh you know uh there was there's a lot of nepotism in hollywood and go figure there was a guy that was on his crew and his dad was a big time executive in this uh uh movie studio so he was kind of forced to take him on but he said the guy was reckless and he almost got someone uh severely hurt because he didn't follow protocol and what he'd done is basically he was up on um a scaffold and he didn't have his tools secured and the tools fell down like right next to a guy like oh, a could have hurt a guy could have killed him could have killed him that's not like an episode of las vegas with uh, the real big ed so he went up to the guy and punched him in the face yep awesome. big and ed, said, that, yep. get the fuck off my set and, because uh, he he was running he was yes the foreman on the set. yes and so he got fired that's stupid. He was doing his job. He's doing. Yeah. He's making sure everybody was operating safely. Yeah, but that's not the real world, Big Mike. I know. But, I know, Big he, Ed. I understand. Got, that. He's got. So he's an extra in White Man Can't Jump. Um, what other? Um, was it Forever Young? I think. Yeah, I think no. There, there, there was, there's a movie with um, Julia Roberts. She was fairly young. Uh, maybe it was dying young. Maybe he worked on that one with her, but he said, uh, you know, uh, she would come and hang out with them and, uh, you know, during downtime and, you know, they, they had drinks and stuff like that. I don't know. He said she was very personable. This was before, you know, her life got wrapped up in paparazzi and getting chased around that, that usually changes people's outlook sure. in life. But, um, yeah. Uh, anyways. Uh, he, he had some good stories and then he did a lot of stuff after that and sales and whatnot, but, uh, yeah. Very cool. Oh, uh, did you, uh, all right. So I do just kind of changing. I want to kind of show this. People are going to listen to this video. Big Ed, did this you see the, the video or, uh, listen to this, uh, video I had sent you? I, you know, to be honest, I had a busy day. I haven't had a chance. Okay. That, that's I, I did right. send you the picture of my dinner, though. That was like, what the fuck? Did you oh, see that? All right. Hold on. Uh, uh, let's, what'd you have for dinner? Let's take a look. I didn't have, wow. I hadn't have anything. Oh, my God. What is that? Uh, his large large sausage and onion pizza. But the pie. Oh, you made it? No, it just. It, it looks it, like the fucking guy stepped on it. And just it the Noid. It's a, the Noid did it. The Noid. 
And then no, you see the garlic no. knots? I ordered a side yeah. of garlic knots. They just threw them in a box. Wow. Is it is this a pizzeria you normally order from? No, I just I, I had a hankering for you know a slice. I, of I would say. Pizza. Well, how? Let me ask you this: How was the I was pie? Just in like, spite I was of like, the... what the fuck? Why open that box? There should have been a camera here. Just like, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is Where like. Where did you get it from? Uh, Luna Luna Pizza, four thirty four. Fucking Longwood. Or wow. How was it? How was it in spite of the annoyed? I, I, did, I couldn't eat it. The, look at the really? fucking, look at it. I, I oh, big sorry. Ed, I would I, I would have eaten the pie. No, look at it. I saw it. I, I saw. I, I still would have. Eaten I ate it. the garlic knots. They were cold. They, uh, the, that's the, horrible. Wow. It was, it was, a, it was so a can. It was a can of coke, and it was like warm, like Florida warm, not like you know seventy two degrees apartment. It was. I ordered like a twenty ounce coke. I wanted to really. I really had a hankering for. Back. Wow! Yeah, so they yeah, dropped the yeah, ball yeah. all the oh, way around. Dropped the ball. It, it, you know, delivered the same guy, the Ace Ventura guy. He's fucking kicking it up this thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The opening. I can just that's what I when I looked at. It's like, oh yeah, same guy. Nice. Wow, that's a. <laughs> they gave me my money back. Uh, no, oh, it wasn't did. the okay. money, but you know, I, you I, were I, looking I forward don't do to delivery the meal. because I was. You know, forty bucks. You're paying, you know, twenty bucks for the pizza, three dollars for the drink, seven dollars for the knots, and then. You gotta you gotta leave a tip, and then there's a service fee and a delivery fee. So you're almost wrapped up twenty dollars in that. You got hosed. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? And then you didn't even get to enjoy the pie. That's that's a shame. No. That sucks. No. It looks like you sat on it. I'm telling you, I looked at the box and it didn't look. First of all, it was one of those, and I don't care. Usually, if they leave it at the door, they text you. This guy did nothing, mm-hmm. so I'm like. And then I'm like, your pizza is here. And that was the message was like six minutes old. I'm like, oh, so I go out there and I go, the, you know, the, the, you, there's the picture. Fucking content. That picture is Luna Pizza. The little tables. Wow. I feel bad. I feel bad for you. Nah, My heart goes right. out. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. but hey, when you went, to, listen, I know. You Look, much I, had like a, I, I had a rough week when you at the Cito. It was one of the harder weeks I've had in a long time. That's it. And you just wanted a good pizza. You just wanted I to have wanted a nice to chill meal. out today. I wanted yeah. I chilled out most of the day, got my stuff done, got my tire fixed. I talked to Casey about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? It's a little tire place, right? It's on the right side of the road, right before Howl Branch. It's a little used tire place. Guys got it. Guys ordered me four tire. I'm going to put four new ones on next week. This will hold me over. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He's like four. I he's I, he's like four hundred. I'm like for each one. He goes, no, four hundred dollars. Bring me cash. Nice. That's a that's a hell of a deal. I'm like out the door, no rotation disposal. No, I'm like, yeah, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. It'd be the last set of tires I need to buy for that car, you know. I'll get me through the for the raining season, you know, because that's you yep. need you need deep. You side. need tires for a raining yeah. season. Listen, yeah, fans sure. out there and warm beer at cheap seats. Lane. Safety first. Safety first. Put good tires on your car. Don't ride around with bald tires. Don't check be your, a don't be a, du- don't be a Duke too. boy in Nessaquag, okay? Just <laughs> put good tires on your car. Yeah, yeah. yeah I see. I see. Nobody lives through the Duke boy days. Not all of us survive. Listen, in my career field, I see a lot of bad tires. Of course you do. And, and I'm like, I'm on the road with these people. <laughs> so, hey, this is your PSA. Mm-hmm. Buy good tires. 
Buy decent tires. You don't even have to buy the best tires. Just put good tires on your car. Yeah, and also tread. Have some tread, will you? Slow down out there and pay attention to motorcycle uh, drive. Hey, drivers. just just yeah, pay attention to week. cars. Bike week. No, um, listen. I got to so drive out into it tomorrow. Over the bridge in uh, Skyway, some guy driving like an absolute bandit uh, hits a car, and that car careens into a yeah and runs over the guy oh no did the guy die yes oh, that sucks he was the uh brewmaster for three da- three daughters brewery and no oh, shit yeah yeah yeah. Uh... yeah yeah uh community's kind of just devastated about it right now hey don't drive like assholes either yeah i i just for for what man i mean for what you think about that right you know it, not to get off on a somber note but you know what what did that accomplish I mean, there's a place and a time for stuff like that, but yeah, not no, on the bridge, man. No, it's called a racetrack, or yeah. you know, mm-hmm. go go drive out in Montana. Yeah, go to Kansas. So, so we had a jackass come in with the park brake on, <laughs> and wore down the tires, the rims, the landing gear. Yeah, uh, complete. Uh, I, I I didn't even have words when that guy called me. I'm like. A dill hole? I, yes. No, I I've learned I learned this week that the phone lines are not recorded. So I, I've just been trained my whole ah! career that the phone lines are recorded. You know, so I talk Wait, like. How uh, do you know they're not? Talk professionally. I said. I said. I said. You know what I said to my boss? I said, "Good thing these these lines are recorded." He goes, "These lines aren't recorded." I'm like, oh. But wouldn't somebody I'm like, say game that on. if they didn't want you to know? No, you'd have a different no. phone system. No, it, it could easily be done. It's not that hard. It would be. I just came through my career with having phone lines recorded. It just right. FAA. I just got an email today reminding me that my calls are being recorded. Like it, it's like they keep setting it up to be recorded. And then I get an email. Yeah. It just you know what it keeps you in check. You know, so you don't call a guy. Don't fuck it. Yeah. You don't. You don't have one of those. Are you fucking kidding me? You know, you say yeah. the guy. Hmm. Keep your composure. Yeah, I I had a professional. Yeah, I had a lady yesterday (laughs) challenged your professionalism. Well, you know, because look, my hunch is like, lady, do the Percocets later, not right now. (laughs) You know, again, there's a time and place for stuff. This is not the time nor the place. So uh, focus for a minute. Um, Let's practice a little STFU. And let me just finish what I was saying before you rifle another dumb question yeah, my direction. Anyways, I digress. All right. Well, let's go to the video. So, Big Ed. Oh, please. So, no, we're going to the video. Right. I just want if Big Ed had watched it, I want to set it up. So, um, you know, video is great in this medium, by the way. Oh, it's fantastic. So, uh, <laughs> it, it's, in fact, my favorite way to watch videos, not only Here just on Podbean, night. but sometimes to go on Naughty Radio. To listen to us talk That's about right. video. So, hey, everybody, <laughs> make sure you download the po- uh, uh, Naughty Radio app. Naughty Radio, that is. Hey, and that yeah, way you can yeah. watch video on radio. That's right. So this guy's kind of doing a parody. He's making fun of, like, Spider-Man. So, you know, th- you know, there's a multiple Spider-Mans out there. And then, you know, <laughs> this movie, uh, the spider-man into the multiverse where the multiple spider-mans run into each other 
this guy's just kind of making fun of that a little bit and just having a little fun uh at marvel's expense and mm-hmm. just uh i don't know who this kid is i got it on reddit i'll share it on twitter to give him credit because uh uh it it's due it's pretty funny otherwise town 964 i i don't even know if that's the the person that created it but it's it's pretty damn funny so here we go So let me get this straight. Do you still know an Iron Man? You mean the tungsten gentleman? What about Doctor Strange? You're talking about Mr. Weird? Do you have an Aunt May? We got Mima June. The Green Goblin? I got the turquoise troll. Are you, are you still talking to Mary Jane? Her name's Happy Duck. You know Captain America? You Lieutenant German? The Winter Soldier? The Summer Marine? Black Panther? You got the White Poop? You that was not no Spider-Man. Not now. So you're telling me you ain't got the Guardians of the Galaxy? Nah, we got the supervisors of the solar system. <laughs> what about Ant-Man? Termite buddy. Thanos? Kratos. <laughs> Do you even have the Avengers? We got the Retaliators. Oh, no, I had enough. Why Spike Lee? Why? His name is Stanley. <laughs> All right. The, the, Spike, the Spike Lee Stanley comment kills me too. That was the best one. The, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Kratos is uh, pretty damn funny too. The, it, the whole skit is good. Yeah, I... Look, I, I'll share that on uh, on our Twitter, which is at Beer Seats, which also has uh, Big Ed's delicious pizza on there, too, mm, uh, for everyone to look at his cold-ass fucking knots. Uh, <laughs> cheese stuck to the top of the box pizza. Oh, my God. But but that, that that's, see, that whoever that kid is, that's, that's solid. That's, that is solid. That's a solid skit right there, man. Because here's the thing. Why is there so so many different Spider-Man incarnations? I mean, you could really do it with Batman. I, I mean, if you Batman look at the, too, sure. Look at Batman. Been. There's there's been a it's ton. It's called money. Well, no, I no, get, no, but I even, get it, Big Ed. Even, you know, I, even I, through the DC comics, there's been a lot of variations of. Um, they're like, Batman. we did it this way, but let's do it this way. Let's do it different now, and we'll so, recreate Superman. It. Yeah. Man of Steel, you know, they, they have all different ones as well. And that, and that, whatever, that's fine. Because there's a new story for a new generation. Mm, true. Hmm. So, um, I don't know. I meant to, I saw that actually a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it just kind of kept getting tabled because, uh, you know, we're talking about who knows what the hell we were ever talking about. We don't know what we're talking about. Even now, we don't know what you're talking about. But I had about. to share it because it just... Well done. Up. It was well done. Mm-hmm. Kratos. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, all right. I know someone's chomping at the bit, probably waiting to die in on this one, but uh, I, I see him waiting on hold. So I'm going to break it before he does. Okay, go uh, ahead. Let it big, run. Big news in the NFL today. Yeah. Uh, the number one draft pick held by the Chicago Bears, the Bears, uh, has been traded away to the Carolina Panthers. They Carolina, just be, they just want to continue to be shitty, don't they, the Bears? Well, all right, listen, I'm going to break this down, and I actually disagree with you um, at this time. Um, look, I, I, the problem with the number one, everyone – puts too much pressure on you to get a quarterback or something else that you don't need. Right. And 
the Bears, I think Justin Fields is the quarterback of the future if they block for him. Uh, but what they got in return was DJ Moore and four draft picks. Wow. Yes. So they're getting they're basically swapping the number ones. So they're going to still be number six overall. You're going to get solid talent. Yeah. At number six, there's going to be a great uh, corn-fed offensive lineman, probably from I don't know Wisconsin or Nebraska or somewhere Midwest, you know, where they have corn, or uh, a monster defensive lineman. And those are the two lines that build championships. Uh, they get a number one next year, I think a number two next year, and a number five this year. Plus, they get DJ who I think is a top five receiver in the NFL. Where was he? He was with Carolina on a horrible team Mm -hmm. with uh, no imagination offense. Uh, He he played pretty good under that P.J. Walker because they were just basically playing like backyard football, like I'm going to run around, you run around, I'll get the ball to you. (laughs) And he had some big games. D.J. Moore is going to explode with Chicago next year. Mark my words. I Listen, I know I said the Lions were going to make the playoffs last year. What I didn't see I, what I didn't see was some jackass ref just decide because uh, he had a, a deal with DraftKings to knock my Lions out because of a stupid horseshit penalty between the Seahawks and the Rams. The Bears are going to the playoffs. I said it. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm writing it down. March 10th, Casey says mm-hmm. the Chi Town Bears are going to the playoffs in the NFL. I'll wow. Later. Wow. That's a lot of words. Hello, everybody. <laughs> hey, Subway. Subway, write it down. I Okay. I mean, <laughs> oh, here we go again. That's him. Oh, that's you sliding into the uh, the podcast. That's very good. Yep. That's your entrance yep. theme. <laughs> My new entrance theme. Um, <laughs> don't worry. Harry Styles, I bet, uses that. Come on. I mean. That's between you and him. Yeah. D- yeah. Um, any- anyways, I mean, you know what? Yeah, I mean, I don't blame the Bears for making the trade. Um, for for trade trading away the number one overall pick. I mean, what like like it's always like oh it should be a quarterback for number one overall pick. Oh oh it's gotta be a quarterback. There, yeah no I mean I I one hundred percent agree with uh, Casey. Uh, Justin Fields is the quarterback of the future. Um, and you know what I'll say this. Um, DJ Moore is a really, really, really good receiver. Uh, and, and, they're, and, they're, and they're getting him locked in. He's already uh, – he's got like two more years, I think, on his contract. So yeah. they're going to get him, um, I you would, know, at a lot. Lo- go ahead. I, I would say this. Uh, I think saying DJ Moore being a top five receiver is a little bit of uh, a stretch because I think there are a couple – I think there are a couple more better receivers than DJ, DJ Moore – yeah, well, you know what? Look, I, I'll put my name on it. Um, I'll say it because, one, he shows up to play. There are he a couple does. guys that are going to be top five if they feel like showing up. You have one guy that's just, like, worried about – he's not even playing in a league. Uh, Odell Beckham, 
Oh, Oda? No, no, no. You, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. You're like, hey, dude, you're going to be my age one day <laughs> and you're going to be like, oh, uh, I, I can't play at that level. Well, you've ran out of fucking time. Tick tock, tick tock, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, go go to fucking Abiza uh, when you're 40 and you put money in the bank. You know, I wh- whatever. I don't know. I'm. Mm-hmm. What do I know? You know. I mean, mm-hmm. and then I mean, they they are. I mean, you know what? The best part about it is that the Bears are still getting a top 10 pick in the in this year's draft. So. You know, I'll say that I'll say this. This works I, look, out well for the Bears. Look, Carolina gets what they want. They want to build. They they could get a franchise quarterback if they choose to. And I think for the Bears, it's. I, I thought it was. A I great think it's trade a very calculated mm-hmm. trade. Very very calculated. It's like a, a deal you can't refuse. See, I got a link on to something because I'm going to be honest. The Bucks are going to be. A flaming pile of horseshit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are going on a limb on that one. Look, look um, <laughs> but I will say this: as we're fucking uh, two and fifteen next year, Oof. that wow, that really? that boat parade was okay. so well worth it. It was so well <laughs> yeah. worth it. It was oh, worth yeah. every. It, it was worth yeah. every uh, avocado tequila shot. That's right, folks. <laughs> it was worth it. Because guess what? The Jets ain't having one. Uh, the Lions ain't having one. Hey, listen, my heart's with you, Detroit. Stay stay proud. Uh, but my point is, hey, the, the Bucks mortgaged their future to win at that time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, they could have probably made a couple changes the last two years uh, to avoid the mess with the salary cap. But they are trying to win. Uh, because they knew the clock was ticking with Tom Brady. Yeah, at, well, you can even say Levante David because uh, he's probably leaving too. Uh, yeah, there are so many people they're they're gonna have to cut. Uh, it's just I not even funny. They're they're gonna be yeah, a. They just they are. They're not gonna be a good team next year. They're. Oh no! Hey, they cut Donovan Smith. There are a lot of funny comments on social media on that. Like, I hope you don't hold a grudge and stuff like that. <laughs> nice. Wow. <laughs> Look, Donovan. Listen, you, you you had you had a little time that was uh, the Super Bowl year. You were great, but golly, you were really busting my balls last year. <laughs> and then, uh, was it Leonard Fournette also got cut? Yeah, that's fine. I look again. Another guy great in the Super Bowl year. Playoff Lenny. He had a great run in the postseason. He never did shit really after that. I felt like we should have kept Ronald Jones. I, I'm hoping maybe we get Ronald Jones back at a discount. That would help us out. He comes back, chip on the shoulder. That's the only shot Tampa has at being a good team next year is getting a hat back with a that just wants to just stomp a dirt hole in someone's mud hole. Um, <laughs> well, Ronald, I'll, I'll say this: Ronald Jones is uh, Ronald Jones has two Super Bowl rings, rings so uh, that would help out because he was on yeah. the Chiefs uh, last season. Yeah. But uh, I I mean, the only problem with Ronald Jones is that he didn't get a lot of playing time with the Chiefs because they uh well they had uh the guy from LSU Clyde Edward Tiller and then they had the uh McKinnon who was actually pretty good and then they also had the uh uh Pacheco the seventh round pick 
Yeah, I, I listen. Ronald Jones doesn't work in that type of offense. Uh, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't. He needs to be. You got to put him like in a in a true West Coast offense, and you're going to see some big, big numbers out of him. I would believe that. See, look here. Here's the NFL. They overthink these strategies. Who cares? Look, there. There's only two things you're going to do. You're either going to pass the ball, or you're going to run the ball. That's it. It all comes down to execution. So you get players, you figure out what they're strong at, and then you're like, that's what we're doing. We're going to do this. We're going to do A or B because that's what those guys can do. You know, it's like uh, I'm going to get a guy that's a shipbuilder and I'm going to have him build a garden in my backyard. Guy don't know shit about gardening. He knows about shipbuilding. He knows about shipbuilding. (laughs) Football's the same thing. Don't overthink it. Execution. Look, uh, Newt Rockney would say we are sweeping left. They know we're sweeping left. I know we're sweeping left. You know we're sweeping left. But if everyone does their assignment, then we're sweeping left. Well, I don't know. They won, I think, like six titles in eight years sweeping left. So, wow. you know, execution. If, if you know your assignment, it's like anything. You have a job. You, you follow the, the script or whatever, the process. The process. It's gonna, the results are going to be. The results will end be. up being there, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, uh, just a little lesson. Don't name your team. Just don't nickname your team. Trust the process because the process will fail, if you know what I mean. Oh, you mean like the Mavericks? No, I'm talking about the Sixers. Oh, okay. When they uh they when they were all crap after Iguodala left and oh, Drew Holiday. Yeah. <laughs> hey, your your buddy, uh your your boy in Dallas that they traded for, uh Kyrie Irving said he's not a distraction or a cancer to his team. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, well, That's... well he's saying it's a lot. I mean, clearly, um, why else is he gone from Brooklyn? Yes, speak yes. to me. Why yeah. is he gone why from Boston? Why is he gone from Cleveland? Oh, this guy's well, running out Cleveland, of cities. Cleveland, he's jealous. The reason why he, he left in the first place was because he was jealous of LeBron. It's like it's LeBron James. Like, of of course you're not going to be the number one guy. Like it's LeBron James. Yeah, it's a shame because they could have really had a nasty run there, um, there in Cleveland. Because in the final, Cleveland did win. I mean, he had just. He could have been his Scottie Pippen, you know. Dude, he had ice in his veins. I mean, he had key key moments in the finals where you're like, damn, he put it on his back in moments but yeah he did but i i don't know like he everywhere else he he went he's just trying to do something he's not yeah and you know what? i'm glad this you know what? i'm glad for the Celtics he, that they're able to he's a it. he is a ship builder that's trying to fucking make a garden <laughs> yeah you know yeah you know what i'm glad for the he Celtics needs to go to a dark room fix- with aaron Rodgers in just his underwear Huh. And, and 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 do seven minutes in heaven or whatever the fuck these kids do today. I don't know. What the fuck's seven minutes in heaven? I don't know. Like spin the bottle. Yeah. What? Spin spin the wiener. I don't know. They they need to do something. 
He needs an exorcism. <laughs> Honestly, I I would not mind that uh, for him. Like, go ahead. Like, all right, who's well. crankling? All right, who's crankling? Yeah. So I have no food. Okay, Subway. Subway. I'm not. I'm crankling? not eating. All right. I'm not I'll eating anything. Are right. you rolling around? Yeah. Take your hands out. Stay of your still. Pants, then. Yeah, I'm not. Big guy, do you say take your hands out of your yeah. pants? Oh God, something like that. <laughs> no pain. And that's where the music is playing. Oh, that. Now you drink almost now. It's beautiful. Do we have a shout? Shout to Celtics. Do we have uh, enough time, or do, you, do we, yeah, just... we can throw a little little NASCAR okay. update? Just kind of just change we're, change. We're, we'll uh, change. Gears. We'll change gears, and then we'll we'll roll into uh, the rock and roll. Yes, yeah, the retrospect. Um, well, like every it, thirty seconds for Gary Rossington too. Just nothing big. Just it'll yeah. be real brief. Yeah, that's fine. So, so uh, the NASCAR world, Chase Elliott broke his leg last week. Yep. snowboarding your sister broke the story yes my sister broke the story so elliot is going to be out for at least six weeks um josh berry will be driving the number nine car on all the ovals and jensen button who is a formula one driver jensen huh jensen that my nephew was named after him by I, the yeah, way that's weird correct he is with hendrick motorsports in chevrolet and goodyear Running the Garage Fifty Six entry at Le Mans this year, which Garage Fifty Six? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Which Fifty Six? For those of you who do not know, is the experimental car. It's a it's a class of one. So NASCAR, Hendrick Motorsports, Goodyear, and Chevrolet are taking a Cup car to Le Mans to run the twenty four hour race. Yeah, that's awesome. Which is pretty badass, dude. Absolutely. So they're taking a Cup Chevy Camaro that is modified for the 24-hour race taking it to lamont or to run which is pretty awesome put a little detroit muscle out there but jensen button is one of the drivers he's going to run at the circuits of america uh and chase elliott's place which is kind of cool uh another formula one driver kimmy reikiden is going to be running i believe xfinity if i'm not mistaking hmm. Uh, in the next couple weeks nice. he'll be running for track house i haven't done much re research on that or paid enough attention to it to talk about it we'll talk about that next week on the show big thing is chase elliott's out so at least six weeks maybe more uh with a leg injury uh i'm kind of hoping he pulls kyle bush like he kyle bush in 15 missed 11 races came back and won the championship so most likely what will happen, NASCAR will give Chase Elliott a medical waiver for, because of his injury. It's a non-racing injury. Injury he suffered on time off, but it's NASCAR's discretion if they give the drivers this waiver, meaning hmm. that they don't have to the, – the rules – in order to win the championship, or in other words, or better yet, to qualify to run for the championship, you have to make the attempt to run all the races 
if you're injured, you can't do that, obviously. Right, 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 right. So NASCAR will grant a medical waiver saying as long as you do qualify for the championship by winning a race, you are eligible to run for the in, in the playoffs. playoffs. So Chase Elliott, he's missing some good opportunity. Some of the tracks that he runs well at, he's going to miss. Oh, he, he the pressure's going to be on him. The pressure's going to be on. It'll be interesting. It's going to make or break this kid. I think it'll make him. Not just because I'm a fan, but I think uh, I think he's driven. I think he's driven. This is this is what he wants driven. to do. Driven. But it'll be neat to see some different people. Josh Berry, who was a who's a star, up and coming star in the Xfinity series, get some time in the in, in a cup car, and we got Jensen Button, the namesake for my nephew. He's going to uh, run at Circuits of the America. So that's the little NASCAR update we have so far. Um, I do go away. I will have a race for a live race report. Mm. When? So next week I will not be here for the show. Mm. I will be on my way. I, I, this time next week I'll be in Atlanta, Georgia, or Hampton, Georgia, nice. at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So I'll be gathering content. Are you going with the the knuckleheads you work? My with? regular knucklehead. Okay, group, yeah. nice. That's a good crew. So I am mm, Bucky's. Yeah, but well, at least one Bucky stop. Good. And I will have I will report from the yeah, campgrounds. Right, let's try some different jerky at Bucky's now. You know what? I, You're I, not I'm, a beef jerky guy, are you? I'm an okay jerky guy. Mm. At Bucky's, I enjoy like the sandwiches you can get. Oh, okay. Wait, are they a big jerky? Oh, Bucky's has a, like a wall, wall of, of jerky. jerky. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Hmm. Bucky's has quite the selection. And I get it, and I don't get it. Okay, so in my travels, if there's a Bucky's, I am stopping. Mm-hmm. But they're all the same for the most well, part. Well, jerky's great for like truck drivers because. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: there at when you're Bucky's. <laughs> Yeah. Here's the thing, though, kids. No, seriously. At Bucky's, no truck drivers are welcome. No trucks. What? Really? No yeah. trucks. Oh, then, then I'm wrong, I guess. Yeah, no trucks. It, it, that you see the sign no pulling into Bucky's is no trucks. It says it. Yes, no trucks. That's wow. like racist. Was this founded by the sheriff from Convoy? It was. <laughs> Ernest Bergnine. <laughs> this is just strictly, strictly. <laughs> Buford T. Justice. Buford. Yes. <laughs> So the jerky is for the motorists, your regular, regular motorists. <laughs> oh, Jason! Because truck drivers are irregular. Well, all right. Hey, real quick, there, Big Ed. Did you want to? Are you doing something? Your I have nothing wrote down. I was just going to give like fifty-five words or less, just because we're doing Southern Rock. I thought I'd just say something about Gary Rostin passing this week as well. Did you uh, want the, to say that now, and then we'll lead into the the rock and roll? Yeah, let's 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 do that. Okay, all right. So, um, you take it away when you're done, and then we'll give we'll you a proper give you a proper yeah. introduction. Yeah, it's going to be real quick. I just wanted to touch base because because we're uh, doing our Southern Rock. Gary Rossington uh, had passed away. He's one of the founding members of Leonard Skinner. He's the last surviving member. Uh, this is a tough son of a bitch. Come from a broken home met Ronnie Van Zant on the ball field. They were opposing teams, and they decided to jam one day. 
and the rest is history. They're both from Jacksonville. Uh, there's a good story from uh, the bass player from Tesla. Tesla's first tour, they opened for Skinner. And at the end of Skinner's set, they'd all sit there on the right side of the stage and watch Gary Rossington play slide guitar on Freebird. And then they'd go back to the room and drink beer and they'd play. Uh, uh, he had a story about hand slap, you know, when you put your hands on top of someone else's and if you flinch, mm -hmm. you slap them. They said they never once could could slap uh, Rossington's hand. He was so quick. <laughs> Anyway, he uh founding member. He was uh, a rhythm and a lead guitarist, uh, was known for his slide guitar work. Uh, rest in peace. I'll, I'll keep it short, but he was an uh, intricate part of Southern rock history. Thank you mm -hmm. for the music. Yeah, I mean, quick, very, very, time. very well, well put. For sure. Big, Big Ed's Rock and Roll, roll retrospective. retrospective. Take it away, Big Ed. Thank you, guys. Well, keeping with the Southern Rock theme, we went uh, we, we went a little uh, southeast, and we headed to uh, Athens, Georgia for the Black Crows. Shake Your Moneymaker, 1990, their debut album. Shake Your Moneymaker is the debut studio album by the American rock band Black Crows, released on February 13, 1990, on Deaf American Recordings. It is the only album by the band to feature Jeff Cease. The album is named after a classic blues song written by Elmore James. The Black Crows have played the song live many times over the years, but it is not included on this album. Brothers Chris and Rich Robinson had formed the Crows Garden in 84, and in 1988, George Draculius, I think it's Casey's neighbor, you know, fuck you, that guy saw the band at a show they did in New York City and had them signed to Deaf American. The same year, they changed their name to the Black Crows. Recording began in the summer of 1989 in Atlanta and at Los Angeles, with Draculius producing the album. Some tracks include songs retained from Mr. Crow's Garden Era, such as Could Have Been So Blind and She Talks to Angels, whose riff had been written by years ago by then 17-year-old Rich Robinson with lyrics written by Chris which were inspired by a heroin-addicted girl, in air quotes, kind of new in Atlanta. The band also chose to record cover version of Otis Redding's Hard to Handle, which would prove to be their breakthrough single. The album was well-received by Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone gave it three out of five stars and all music given four out of five stars. Here on the warm beer and the cheap seats, we work on the Montecito system, where you can get up to four Montecitos. Just a heads up. The album sold 1 million copies in the first year and eventually would go triple platinum. The album spawned five singles, Jealous Again, Hard to Handle, Twice as Hard, She Talks to Angels, and Seeing Things. The Black Crows were Chris Robinson on vocals, Rich Robinson on guitar, Jeff Cease on guitar, Johnny Colt bass guitar, and Steve Gorman on drums. Also had a couple additional uh, musicians. We had Laura Creamer backing vocals. The legendary Chuck Laval, piano and organ, and Brendan O'Brien, just a potpourri of instruments. 11 tracks, 48 minutes. So the album starts out with Hard, hard to Handle, the first track, and starts out with Rich Robinson stroking his Fender Telecaster, which has its own sound, and the band joins in and begins Johnny Colt delivering steady bass, uh, bass lines in tandem with Gorman's beat on the drums. This was the second single on the album. 
Jealous Again, the first single and, pro and probably most recognizable also if you do not know who these guys were. A little help from the legendary keyboardist Chuck LaBelle, a song about commitment, action, speak louder than words, if you ask me. Sister Luck, another song with Robinson starting out with the soft chords to his tempoed blues song. Uh, Chris Robinson, then the 24-year-old, sings like he's been a bluesman since the 50s. Colt and Cormac provide a foundation for the rest of the boys to dance on. Could have been so blind. They pick up the tempo on this track, and it really, excuse me, and it uh, really is uh, Johnny Colt who stands out on a bass, and Robinson delivers raw, heartfelt lyrics of mistake and epiphany of and and an epiphany of a mistake that could be life changing. A great mid-tempo song that is good to sing along. Seeing things, another song of true blues, truly a sad song about heartache and wishing to be to forget a, a love who had failed. You have Laura Creamer back in vocals, reminiscent of the '70s Stones era. And what a great sound to emulate and pay tribute to. Hard to handle. Uh, this is an old blues remake from the legendary Otis Redding, and it really hits hits this out of the park. And if you were alive in 1990, you were for sure to hear this on most radio formats. The band clicks on both Robinson's shine on, on this old classic. A cool, fast-paced blues rocker that will not disappoint. Thick and thin, a fast attack this feels like. Fast and furious, and you can see why the boys had Chuck LaBelle sit on the recording of this album. Not enough credit goes to Gorman, the drummer, as, as he is so deep in the pocket that he cannot ruin the foundation of this song. Jeff Cisco gets a piece of it too on lead. She talks to Angel, a beautiful song about a good friend who is in the throes of addiction and so close to death that she practically talks to angels. And when the pain comes, there's the smile knowing that the needle is next. And when you put it in the music, it is quite moving. This is a song and its meaning forever locked in my head. Big Ed cannot express gratitude that I am here today. Strutting Blues. I love the duality of two guitars playing different parts and Colton Gorman playing off each other in sync to give this a peppy sound. And Chris Robinson delivers his vocals act, vocal excellence like a seasoned front man. Incredible. Just incredible. Stare it cold. The patented sounds of Rich Robinson's Telecaster starts out with long chords and Chris soon follows with that trilling voice almost to the limit of his range, or so I thought. Gorman is just a steady drumbeat, a modern-day Charlie Watts, for lack of a better comparison or definition. Rich Robinson finishes the song very strong, making his Telecaster sing. And don't wake me. It's a 42 second. It would seem this is some sort of reprise of some sort, but of what? I don't know. The song is gone before I could think it out. This was a great listen for me. And it had been about 30 years since I listened to this and did not realize how great this album is and why it sold over 3 million copies to earn a triple platinum status. You can hear the Victoria era Stones influence and even some Aerosmith and for sure the Almond Brothers for that modern-day Southern rock feel. Chris and Rich Robinson are some of the great songwriters of their era. Shirley shows up on this raw, simple Southern blues rock album. Now let's not forget the rest of the players, the drummer, bass, and, and uh, other guitarists made this happen. I like, the I like the touch of Chuck Lavelle. Not sure how they'd secured him, but he added his splash on this Southern blues. This certain three-and-a-half Montecitos, and certainly the Duke Boy of Nesquad was entertained by these songs too. After all, you can't drive through a fence of an impound lot with Trip Fink listening to Wham. I'm Big Ed. Listen and enjoy. <laughs> True story.
Yeah, careless whisper just wouldn't. Uh, just doesn't no. cut the mustard. No. <laughs> careless whisper. No. I, I, right. I need, I, we needed a little hard to handle because the car was hard to handle in that sugar sand. And, and yes. True story. That was that white Nova, straight six, four doors, oh, yeah. no hubcaps. Um, straight six, no, no joke. Like, park this thing in the yard. Okay. Um, Steve Gorman, uh, up until recent, you know, cause he stayed with the band, um, uh, you know, they've had multiple lineup changes for, for yeah, a lot he was of reasons. Steady. He was, he, he was, he was steady, steady till I think 15, maybe. Yeah. I think he was on lions might've been the last studio album he was part of. I, he might, I think he was the longest reigning, you know, original member outside the brothers, obviously yeah, a great drummer. I fantastic. I think he's a guy that doesn't get talked up much, but um, he had a, a gig with Fox Sports Radio. Yes, I I, uh, I went down the rabbit hole. I, listen, yeah. um, and and it's quite on the, syndication. It just depends where I I was living in Ohio at the time, and we'd pick it up, and it was like kind of would come on like six to nine or like a time slot like that at night. Again, it was probably more drive home because he he did it out of L.A. But it was an interesting because sports sports radio is just absolutely just horseshit garbage. But um, he his was fun because um, he's a sports geek, but he's talking music, and then he'd bring in musicians that talk that are sports fans. So it was just a weird twist on things, you know. Um, yeah, but you know what? They're talking sports, not politics, which is nice. Yeah, no, no, they're, like they're talking sports, but they're talking sports, but then they were talking music, and it would right. kind of flow between back and forth, which in sports radio landcast uh, or landscape you you rarely get. But um, Steve Gorman, I and I, I saw these guys live, and uh, uh, the other case he's going to probably remember, but it, it was supporting their um, Three Snakes and a Charm album that tour, and so it was probably around ninety eight, ninety nine. I saw them on southern harmony music tour yeah yeah yeah. okay incredible i they're, they're oh, fantastic they with no speak and no slave i was like holy wow. shit i knew i was in for a good show hey they only had two albums so i had to play they played southern harmony and then it, it hits off of uh heart you know uh yeah, yeah, yeah. well I, they they were one to this day they're one of the loudest bands i've ever seen i i'm not i've seen some big hard rock bands like metal bands and stuff, they were incredibly loud. They're loud and they're cl- they're crisp. Yeah, and, and Chris Robinson is one has always been one of my favorite. You it, and I have always had the same on the same page with these guys. They're just it, a, it, a good. If duo. if I was a front man for a band, I would hope to be half as good and entertaining as Chris Robinson. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, oh, the other thing, Brendan O'Brien is, a, a, you know, in music, you know, he was tied into Pearl Jam. He did a lot of producing with them and he might even worked with STP at some point uh, producing an album. I think I think he produced their third album, the the Vatican Gift Shop. Yeah. Oh, songs in a tiny music box. Yes. Yeah. Vatican Gift Shop. That's a great album. Uh, great album. That yeah. that's that should have made my I don't know if it made my big Ed top forty. Uh, I have to no. go back to that list. 
I, I think so, but I, you know what? And I did not do uh, any Black Crows. I might have mentioned it in the top forty. It, this is a great album. I, I think I'll it's yeah. You know what? It, I didn't realize how good this was because when the second one came out, is really when I got into the Black Crows. Because I was more of the sound I was into, the little, you know, they turned it up a notch on the rock and roll side, oh, you know? Sure, sure. And that put my ears to, I heard it, I'm like, oh, I gotta have this, you know? No, I mean, uh, their their second album was a, a, a fantastic response. Because, you know, I mean, sometimes Some you have a albums, band that yeah. has such a, you know, a rookie start, you know, you, you, you always hear about the sophomore slump, you know, in, 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 in rock music or music in general. And there, there wasn't any, and you know, the, the good news is the brothers get along. They're out there. They're torn. Um, so I, we were doing Southern rock. I thought it would be, Hey, why don't we do this one? This was a little bit more modern Southern rock, but it pays homage to Southern rock and old R&B with Otis Redding uh, and so forth. And No, it was a good pick. It was definitely a good pick, and I'm glad it got me reacquainted, and I learned, I learned a lot. There's some songs I haven't heard in like 30-plus years. Hey, that's what the rock and roll retrospective is about, right? Sure is. These guys were so... If you listen to any Stones with Mick Taylor, that's what I, I guarantee. For sure, Rich Robinson's a big Mick Taylor fan. Well, the 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 opening track sounds like it could be from like Exile on Main Street or oh, I, there's like three or four know, songs that could be from that era. Yeah, big time, big time. Um, now next week, the Outlaws. Outlaws, the debut, the first. The first one, The Outlaws, self-titled album, The Outlaws. Because Big Mike had, because uh, there there was just a little, a little miscommunication in, in the communication. Big Mike did his homework for next week. Mm. This week. This week. You're early. So I thought The Outlaws were going to be reviewed this week or I would listen to Black Crows this week. Well, you could listen to Black Crows and talk about it next week. We can, uh-huh. I'm trying to think of what what we can do next. I mean, all I right. Well, I really, well, I really want to talk about The Outlaws next or, week. Or next week. We will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. All right. Here, look. I, I, I got to start planning ahead. I, I have I a couple things through. we could throw out there. You, you mentioned Tesla. You yes. Know. All right. All right. So hear me out uh we don't go into that live genre too much but they were kind of ahead of the curve of the the whole unplugged movement do we do live albums well we could do live albums and they had it was called the five man acoustical jam uh which was a big album for them and again that was ahead of mtv doing the whole unplugged series right right um, so another, if we do that, we might have to go five. I would like to go a fifth week. N- n- just, look, we could hit a couple of genres. He, here's another one I want to throw out there. And this could be just a one-off just because we were very excited about the story about Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr recording with the Rolling fucking Stones. Yes. I, I listen, my head still can't wrap around it and I'm, so happy to Two think Beatles about recorded with the Stones, the Rolling Stones. I mean, 
the Beatles and the Stones together. This is crazy, right? Well, there's I, enough members alive to do a, a guitarist, a bass player, and a singer. They can fill it out. They can definitely fill it out. I mean, you have four excellent songwriters. And listen, Ringo does not get enough credit as a songwriter. When he don't have the hits like McCartney or Lennon or whatever, but he's got some good songs. Is, and, is that uh, stuff out yet? The uh... No. All right, so this was the other thing I was thinking of. So we can... We could do a rock and roll retrospective on. Uh, oh, I came in a little loud on that one. Um, we could do a rock and roll retrospect on the Rolling Stones' last studio album, which I believe was released in 2005, maybe 2006, which was called A Bigger Bang, which pretty decent album. That you know, that obviously in the last thirty years they didn't put out a lot of studio albums, but I thought I thought the quality was there, like Voodoo Lounge. Um, uh, what's the one with the line on it? And yeah, I think Bridges you saw Babylon. Bridges to Babylon's a fantastic album. I, I, actually, Trip Fink and I saw them on that tour. We saw them at the uh, at the Meadowlands. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Foo Fighters opened. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, you're right. We saw the Foo Fighters. You you called you called me. I think uh, like that night or. I, I think after seeing him or something, or I don't yeah. know, you, you, you called me maybe the next day. I remember talking about it and, uh, and you weren't a Foo Fighters guy, but you, you said they were good too. Yeah. That was like their, uh, debut, you know, they were opening for the stones. Yeah. They're, they were a brand new wow. band. Yeah. No, they were a brand new band. Br Bridges of Babylon's a fantastic, that was in a, I had a, you remember my pickup truck, Daisy. Yes. I had a six, disc changer yes when that was a that's thing. probably the only good thing about that truck that cd there was a couple cds that stayed in that rotation that bridges of babylon stayed in that truck a lot that was definitely usually there was a, a a pearl jam album of some sort yeah. a doors album mm -hmm. that rolling stones album uh local h's first album yeah. and then uh there were two two others that just would cycle in and out. And one of them was probably like an outcast to be. Oh, real quick. Do you know who else Gorman played drums for? No. Stereophonic. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. Uh, hold on. I oh, wait for, for who? Stereophonic. Oh, Stereophonic's awesome. Yeah, I have that. I, I could, could be one I'd like to review for sure. I don't. Yeah, stereo. Stere um an interesting band they just yes. uh you, you don't know what you're gonna get i i got turned on to them via pearl jam and eddie vetter would do this like with my collection like, because of you i think i record I, I downloaded it yeah they, they they he used to do this like monkey wrench radio where he would take over a rock station for a night and he was just like you know they had a studio up in seattle i think I, it could have been his house or Stone Gossard. I, I don't remember, but then they would play music, like, and you talk about songs that he liked, and then maybe they would play something live as well. But that's how I learned about Stereophonic. Was, was it Stereophonic or Stereo Lab? Oh, Stereo Lab. No, that, yeah, that's okay, it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. 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 I have uh, Sound Dust. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
I don't know which one. I just, you know, I, this this took me down a rabbit hole. I had to stop. I like, okay, focus, get back to the, you know, get back to the Black Crows. Yep. You know, you keep hitting links, hitting links, you know. The guy that produced this, this Greek guy, he was a protege of Rick Rubin. Oh, I was going to say, because uh, 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 whatever that that label, that's Rick Rubin's label. Right. Do you know what you want to hear something I read, though? He didn't, he wasn't on the original album, Rick Rubin. He yeah. only took credit when it sold a million copies when it got to be like ultra mega hit. Then he wanted his name as executive producer on it. Really? What a douche. Yeah, I read that somewhere too today. Wow, that 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 is uh, kind of shitty. That is douchey, yeah. I mean, he was a brilliant, you know, producer slash engineer, but what a douche. Yeah, that's, that, that, that is kind of a shitty move. I think... Uh... I might, I might still have it up somewhere. Uh, I know I do. You know, uh, Kiss was, um, I, I think Kiss was in Howard Stern's studio this week. Yes, I, um, I saw it. I did see it. I, I, I enjoy listening to Paul Stanley, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's very, like... Not serious, but you know he's definitely a very focused guy. Gene Simmons has to be the most fucking, <laughs> a just miserable fucking cunt to deal with. Why? What did Gene do? He he, he just don't stop talking about himself. I mean, yeah. he just Gene Simmons just when he dies, he's going to give his own fucking eulogy. <laughs> it's wow. probably recorded. Uh, I he. I mean, it's probably the and the Paul is probably the only guy that that can deal with him. Paul Stanley's the talent, I, it, in my opinion. I would agree with that. That kind of yeah. explored true. that on like Sunday morning. Or That's true. Hmm. Just I don't know. Just he he just Gene Simmons just comes off very insufferable. The talent was. And the, the talent was the four of them, the original. That was right. The talent, Ace yeah. and Peter Chris. Yeah. And- P- Peter Chris doesn't get any credit as a drummer. Listen to him play that fucking hi hat and, and the fills. Nobody, nobody does fills like he does. And Ace Fairly, I mean, just an underrated guitar. Actually, he's not sure. underrated, but he's. Well, great. Peter Chris sings one of my favorite songs. Christine Sixteen. No, no. Hard, lu- hard luck, That's- woman. Yeah. Oh, Hard Luck Woman's a that, good song. That's, that's uh, a fucking great Christine song, 16 dude. 16 is uh, sung by uh, Gene, uh, Gene Simmons. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah, as it was. As it was. Which, that's yeah. a pretty cool oh, one. Oh, no, no, too. no. He does a, no, but he has a ballad. Yeah, thing, it's about it? pedophilia. He's, he's fucking stalking a 15-year-old high school student. Or well, maybe he's in Mississippi, student. so it's legal. We don't know. Yeah, no, it's all, hey, more, more power to him. Just, it's funny that... Uh, I, 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 Frank, uh, Trip Frank and I goof about it a lot because the keyboards, <laughs> the keyboards of that song, the song, listen to that song live and it's terrible. Uh, you know, hey, Trip Fink shared a new song with me this week, by the way. Nice. Wait, it was new? Yes. It, oh. it, it's something he recorded more recent. So I he's been playing a lot. He the days he can't go to the gym, he plays his guitar. 
so said, you know what i said trip frank you know what you're i only the only time i see you smile is when you got a guitar in your hand so to i i'm gonna wait to maybe next time we have him on we'll we'll yeah. debut the song and then we can have him talk about it or something okay hey real you quick know. here we go production george draculius producer rick rubin executive producer then in parentheses it says credited on the sleeve only after the album became successful Parenthesis and parenthesis. <laughs> the fucking douche. Wait, seriously? That's awesome. Yeah. That's so douchey. Well, you know, uh, Draculus was the protege of Rick Rubin. Yeah. I, I, I think, though, it. I'm telling you, the Rolling Stones, I, I think uh, reviewing their last studio album wouldn't be a bad idea. I'll, I'll I'll do it. Yeah, I don't know if you ever listened to it. I I thought it was you know, strong stones. Can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. No, a lot of a lot of albums that you, that I thought was shitty and I listen to now, like like uh, stuff like from the mid eighties. I thought oh, it was just terrible. This was actually pretty fucking good. It stood the test of time. It's, you know that's yep. you know. Do you listen to it 30 years later and it's still kind of toe taps and you're like, all right, I get it. Uh, but they, you know, they've had some rough spots where they just, you know, they're just kicking a dead horse and all of a sudden the horse gets a heartbeat, you know, I guess. Like I, this I, well, I, I felt like that was like a lot of their work in the eighties. Uh, yeah. Like dirty work. But if you listen to it, there's some, yeah. They kind of got formulatic too, you know. Sure. Charlie Watts, very much going through the motions. I like Charlie Watts in 1972. That guy, he's a pocket drummer, kept simple fills but yet tasteful. Hey, Listen some like, girls, like, some uh, girls, man. Like great great album. album. I I love that album. Me too. Yeah. There's a really good song on there. Yeah. It's talking about driving through Bakersfield, listening to Christian gospel. Radio. Oh, yeah. He goes, <laughs> That's he um... goes, I was so moved. I ran the next 36 red lights in his honor, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's a great album. They, they, look, they're a great band. They didn't get this, you know, they're still around. No, you can't, you can't earn the moniker, the greatest rock and roll band yeah. hey you know we're we're re-watching uh sweet melissa and i are re- well and there are some episodes i missed but she's never seen is veep mm-hmm. oh veep was hilarious it's yeah so good yeah it's hilarious i mean they like right off the bat like you know they they're always constantly like, covering shit up they're just getting it and they just fuck each other you know they're I'm sure it's not, they're not, it's not that far-fetched of what really goes on. The I, I, I think it's and, the closest to how government works and, like, say, watching the show The West Wing with Martin Sheen. I think Veep is actually a little too close to home uh, for government. And, and the best is, like, when they, they send that little attache from the White House, the tall guy, the tall, oh, yeah. goofy guy. yeah. And, and they're like, the, like right after that, the first time you saw him, they're like, who sent over my left foot? I was like, 
lose it, dude. I'm like, that's it. I'm like, I mean, bar none, it's probably the best shit talking that's ever been done in a comedy is this show. Oh, uh, she's great. She's great in it. Oh, listen, she's a pro, man. Uh, Julia uh, Louis Dreyfus we're talking I about. I think that didn't I see on the credits? I think she helped produce it or write it or something. Uh, yeah, she's pretty. She's pretty hands on on that series. Yeah. I mean, I I think they backed up a truck and just dumped Emmy awards <laughs> right in front of her house. Uh, I mean, gr- great staff, uh, great writing, and it's uh, very tightly done. But yeah. I mean, we're we're trying to go through other stuff while other things happen. Ted Lasso comes back next week, so mm-hmm. yeah. I'm in the middle of uh, Mary Kingstown. Have you guys watched that yet? No, not yet. Yet, nope. I so, someone else was telling me it's uh, pretty decent. I don't know what they're going to do with that show in the future because uh, isn't that the guy that got ran over by uh, a fucking? Snowplow, his own snowplow. Jesus, in real life, yeah, it was a big deal. He had, yeah, like Jeremy a- Renner's been in the hospital since like what was that, like Christmas Eve yeah. or something? Yeah, so he was plowing his he still is driveways. Oh, he's all jacked up, yeah. So he fell like fell out of this fucking snowplow, no, and it ran him over. It's a piece of equipment. I mean, it's a, it's a legitimate. It's a track. Oh, it's a track, like a like, like a like a snow cat. Like a kind of like a snow cat, something yeah. like that. Or it's it's a track vehicle. It's not like a a pickup truck. Yeah, with it with a plow blade on the front. It's a tracked vehicle. Ugh, yikes! So yeah, he got fucked up, man. But I give him credit for being you know like a hands on guy. And I guess that's his thing is being a hands on kind of guy. It kind of backfired on him, but how do you get how do you get run over by a vehicle know. you're operating? Reed. Right. I think there's probably parts of the story we don't know. Yeah, possibly. Unless he was trying to lean out to look at something because the the views obstructed. There could right, be and snow. he falls out and like, oh fuck. Yeah. I mean, I guess anything can happen. Yikes! I don't know. Why couldn't it happen to like they call me cat? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not to the person, to the show. You better knock on the show. Head. Get run over. Yeah, be okay with me. So anyway, that's a weird. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> saved, saved by the trip thing. <laughs> that's right. Hey guys, good show. A lot of fun. Sunny, tied up. It's the shiny side. It's like a truck. Think of a truck. Oh, yeah. It's a trucker saying. Keep the shiny side up and the greasy side down. Don't wear the cheap feet. Cut it off. WBCS. Wow. See ya. Love you guys. Love you too. Love you too.
Love again. 